everybody, and welcome to another sports. 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 Podcast. I am Joel Anderson. I'm Jordan Pomaville. And joining us, as always, is the sports outsider, Phil Ranta. Happy New Year! <laughs> Happy, <laughs> Happy New Year! Happy not 2020! Yep. I, I will feel like, I do feel a little bit like, because uh, we're all excited for 2020 to be over, and we're all very excited for 2020 to begin, but it did feel a little anticlimactic when we got there, you know? Yeah. yeah. Like... It you know I I'm still waiting for the big thing that's really gonna feel like it's over. I think I think it's gonna be like one of those things where when people talk about the '60s, it's like '67 to '73. Yeah, you know? exactly. The, the idea of the '60s, <laughs> the idea of 2020 is gonna last actually until like mid 2022. Yeah, it makes sense. You know. Yeah, but it would have been nice if instead it was like you know. Uh, all of the Trump clan got stranded on a desert island, <laughs> starting right Another at like their, their ship went down at midnight. <laughs> Another classic sitcom trope. Yeah. <laughs> Chuck Lorre, get on it. What like, happens when a German authoritarian and his friends <laughs> wind up on a stranded island? Uh, who knows? <laughs> Tune in Thursdays this fall on NBC. So it's a sports comedy podcast. Uh, Thanks, Joel. There we <laughs> yeah. go. Joel bringing it back. It is I, a new year. Yeah. I've never done that before, I think. No, you have not. I've kept a note every time I've done it. So <laughs> <laughs> I have, a little, I have these, little, these little tick marks next to our home office here. Yeah, yeah like you're Maui stranded on the island, right? Any other <laughs> Moana fans out there? Yeah, yeah gosh, big I time. I love that. I hadn't seen an animated movie in quite a while. And then I was like, hey, this is really good. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, love Moana. Love Moana. So it's a sports comedy podcast that occasionally talks about German authoritarianism and Maui. (laughs) (laughs) Moana, I mean. Uh, But uh, it's a new year. It's very exciting. And I know, Joel, I know you're with me here. I know this year it's not quite the same. But still, you, like me, love this time of year because it's college bowl season. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, different this year. Different this year, but still. I remember when I first started to realize that it's like, you can't go that hard on New Year's Eve if you're going to wake up tomorrow and watch, you know, all nine hours of possible football programming. What yes. am I saying? All 11, 12, 13 hours. Yeah. <laughs> and for most of your existence as a Michigan State fan, this was not a problem. Yeah, it's only really come up uh, for me specifically that way. Uh, Past twelve years, point. right? Yeah, <laughs> which which again coincided with the heavy drinking. So yeah. it was really tricky, <laughs> tricky to navigate. Um, but no, but so anyway, it's a great time of year, and uh, something funny happened the other day at um, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, which was uh, formerly the Belk Bowl, and before that, the Continental Tire Bowl, Wait. held of course in. Beautiful Are you trying Charlotte, to tell North me? Carolina. I thought the Duke's Mayo Bowl is one of those ones that's been around forever, like the Rose Bowl or the Cotton Bowl. You, you'd think that because of its classic name, yeah. But but really, no. This was this was just another bowl that was started around 2002 or maybe the late 90s uh, as the Continental Tire Bowl, then the Belk Bowl. Now the yeah. Duke's Mayo Bowl, which apparently is like the second most popular brand of mayonnaise in the South. Wait, huh. what? What? Oh, I guess it's just I've I, never I, heard of Duke's Mayo. It's 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 well, mayos are very regional, right? Yeah. Uh, for instance, uh, Best Foods and Heilman's are the same company, 
but sold under different names depending if you are east or west of the Mississippi. Oh. Oh. But this isn't but this isn't the the food 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 podcast. It should be new year new brand. Nor is it uh, the condiments 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 podcast, which would probably do better than the food 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 podcast. <laughs> yeah, would. It's more Guys, specific. we got to talk at the post show meeting. Yeah. yeah. People listen to the food 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 podcast just to get the condiments 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 podcast whether they admit it or not. So let's just cut to the chase. <laughs> yeah. All right. Anyway, the Duke's Mayo, but wow, what a fucking wind-up for this intro, yeah. right? <laughs> Wisconsin beat Wake Forest in the Duke's Mayo Bowl, were dancing with the trophy, and broke the damn trophy. It was broke. a beautiful, like, crystal football-y thing, not quite like the National Championship trophy. Shattered on the floor. People were documenting it. What? And uh, then, sorry? I'm, I'm shocked and horrified. <laughs> it's It was a hilarious video, but... Later, the student equipment manager fixed it by taping one of those Duke's Mayo, uh, like, squirt bottles of mayo to the top of it. Oh, he couldn't even get a glass bottle? I think that would have just gotten broke again, like the previous (laughs) trophy, Joel. Okay, all right, yeah, that's good Being smart. All to say is, we're going to have both uh, the the person who who made the original trophy, a man named Rutherford Snootingham, and we're going to have the student equipment manager, Corey Stumps, who was the person who repaired the trophy. And so we're going to have them both on to kind of get a little play-by-play of what happened to be, how the trophy w- came into existence, how it how it uh, was destroyed, and, and then how it uh, rose again like the phoenix. Nice. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Well, yeah, this is, this is the big story of the week, and we've really got all angles covered. <laughs> and, uh, Phil, we got a wide world of weird sport. You're goddamn right we do. And news, news, news. But first... The grass is green. The glove is cool. Having a dog at the game. Total of baseball. Major rebrand. Baseball's cool now. Total of baseball. Brought to you by Mountain Dew Vaccine. It's a vaccine for COVID. You know, Manny Ramirez now playing for the Sydney Blue Stocks of the Australian Baseball League. Subheadline. Because of the Coriolis effect, Manny being Manny is clockwise in the Southern Hemisphere. Oh, oh boy, that's going to be different. He's going he's gonna to be very well behaved. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. He might yeah. just be oddly behaved in a clockwise fashion. Yeah. Before, yeah, before we even get into the story, I would like to point out uh, Manny Down Under is a film franchise that's going to go at oh. least 12 deep. <laughs> Man, how did I miss that? <laughs> yeah. I don't have, I'm looking at, first of all, this this uh, this news story is staler than a two-week-old Christmas cookie. Yikes. But, uh, <laughs> but man, how did I miss Manny Down Under? Yeah. <laughs> oh, guys, at the post-show meeting, I might submit my resignation here. I'm... No, it will not be accepted. Oh, man. Um, since his last MLB appearance in 2011, Ramirez has played in the Miners, the Dominican Republic, Japan, China... And now Australia. Manny is 48 years old and is one of those guys like Ricky Henderson who keeps playing ball because it's all he knows. However, unlike Ricky Henderson, Manny keeps playing ball because it's quite literally all he knows. (laughs) He's not know anything else. Um, Oh, actually, you know, hey, you know, when asked by uh, Australian reporters, this is just a case in point, when asked by Australian reporters what it was like to play baseball down under, Manny narrowed his eyes and carefully, articula- art- carefully articulated, under what? 
<laughs> then said, you're not going to make me say underwear, God damn it. <laughs> Smart. Smart. Uh, <laughs> then, uh, of course, when asked by American reporters on a Zoom call what it was like to play baseball in the country of Australia, Manny took them to task, saying, that's racist. Australia is a continent, not a country. <laughs> And he's got a point. <laughs> uh, of course, uh, Sydney uh, Blue Sox manager Shane Barclay, great name, praised <laughs> Ramirez's preseason preparation. Quote, we knew there'd be a Manning, a Manny show, but it's been a pleasure. The buy-in from Ramirez has been magnificent. And just watching him swing the bat, you're going, there's no way this guy is 48. Ooh. Ooh, e- e- easy there, Skip. I think you <laughs> might have tripped a wire for a random piss test. Yeah. You, can't, yeah. you can't really say things like that. Uh, Manny was suspended twice for PEDs in the MLB. But yeah. uh, considering for, Manny... For some injections that were down under his buttocks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, but considering Manny is sort of a baseball-playing Brian Fellows, I'm more than happy to give him a pass. Oh, yeah. Deep cut. I like it. Oh, thank you, thank you. The Sydney Blue Sox uh, just missed the playoffs last year, but their manager says that this year marks a total culture change. Manny joined this team as a player coach, though coach seems more of an honorific because he's 48 <laughs> years old. I think he's still Manny. Yeah. It was uh, it was like that kid on the drum line where it was like he was a senior and he was still playing cymbals because he was not very good at drums at all. But it was like, well, he is a senior. We sort of have to give him some amount of respect. So I'm sorry, what, what title was that did he get? Oh, the, oh on the drum line? The, yeah, the cymbals guy. I thought there was a title joke coming. Oh, oh, yeah. It was, was uh, he... it was Sir Cymbal. Well, that'll have to do. The grass is green. The glove is cool. Having a dog at the game. Total of baseball. Major rebrand. Baseball's cool now. Total of baseball. Brought to you by... Mountain Dew Vaccine. It's not FDA approved. News, news, news on the Sparks, Sparks, Sparks podcast with Jordan, Joel, and Phil. News, news, news. Super Bowl Update Watch Death Watch. Super Bowl Update Watch Death Watch. Brought to you by... The American government. Well, we tried. (laughs) The NFL won't bubble the playoffs. We'll allow some fans at the Super Bowl. No players will be vaccinated by Super Sunday. Yikes. Hmm. Subheadline, guy who yells sports during Super Bowl parties not invited to the Super Bowl Zoom. Yeah. Definitely sub, not. Sub sub headline: No snacks. He wasn't going to show up anyway. <laughs> True. Uh, a lot to unpack here, but obviously it's just devastating. This piece of shit isn't going to show up. Yeah. Um, he always adds the most <laughs> insightful commentary that are in no way things sports fans have heard a million fucking times from people yeah. who don't like sports. Yeah, I feel like I'm personally being attacked here. <laughs> no, 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 no. You come up with original jokes about oh, sports. Oh, you. That's, yeah, no, that's the difference. You're not this piece of shit. You oh, would never phew. be so hacky as to just shout sports. Or sports that's balls. True. I wouldn't do Or, shh, shh, guys, guys, commercials. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's really annoying when you're at a party where people have been talking during the game the whole time. And look, I like watching Super Bowl commercials too, but when you're talking over the fucking game and then you shush me if I ask if anyone wants beer while I'm getting up, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Especially if you're getting beer. <laughs> yeah! For yeah! shame. Okay, but on to the NFL's playoff plan. In a bizarre twist, the NFL has done everything it can this season to follow in the footsteps of Ernst Weil National Pastime Baseball. No, no bubble, a lot of testing, never stopping the season no matter what, and crucially, lower ratings. Mm. (laughs) But now it appears the shield is going to deviate from that plan. The NFL, in its own words, will prohibit mandatory local bubbles during the postseason. Prohibit mandatory bubbles? Yeah, so teams can do bubbles on a voluntary basis, okay? But they... They are prohibiting mandatory playoff bubbles, which now uh, look, even baseball realized after a uh, Marlins early season COVID outbreak that that's one thing, but losing postseason games that also somehow feature the Marlins is another <laughs> thing entirely. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hmm. So despite cases spiking everywhere, the NFL's infection rates have dropped significantly. So that's good. Yeah. Now, they actually believe that their current intensive protocols are, quote, the safer choice than a bubble. But don't yeah, take my I mean, word that, for it. That Sorry. doesn't seem likely, but... Right. Let's hear from NFL tobacco scientist Dr. Alan Sills, <laughs> who has been a strong opponent of the bubble approach that has worked best for every other professional league. He says the size of NFL teams make it a much bigger logistical problem. That's not a scientific argument against it. It's difficult does not mean it's not safer. Yeah. Like, I forgot to bring sunscreen doesn't mean you're not going to get a sunburn. (laughs) Right. Or also like, oh, I forgot sunscreen. Now I have to buy it at the tchotchke shop at an overpriced rate. Yeah. Yeah. No, it sucks, but you still do it. Yeah, better decision, and I can say this from experience, than going, I'll just try and stay out of the sun and getting scorched. (laughs) (laughs) The very well-paid Dr. Sills has also said that the chance for a team outbreak is actually higher in a bubble if an infection came in. What, with all the players and coaches under one roof? Yeah, I mean, he's not wrong about that. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. Are they staying in European youth hostels? (laughs) NFL teams stay in five-star hotels with one man to a room. What the fuck is this argument? Like, he's acting like this is like they're at Camp Tamarack, all in the same bunk. Yeah. They aren't? No. They're not like, good night, everybody. Lights out. <laughs> but it's, it's kind of like saying, like, <laughs> you know, the kid who's allergic to everything living in the plastic bub- bub- bubble and being like, well, we got to get him out of that bubble. If some allergens get in there with him, he's going to die. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really want to just uh, reimagine every Super Bowl ever played with the construct that Phil just set up where – they all bunk in the same same room the night before the Super Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, talk about girls. Yeah. Right. They have a that's, pillow fight, so they're all tired the next day. That's when you would find out that uh, some of those people, they're like, oh, they just can't get over the hump. It's like, it's not just bad luck. It's like, oh, they snore like a banshee, and the entire team goes a sleepless night before every Super Bowl they play in. Okay, so the doctors also pointed to the uh, mental health implications, which is fair. Okay. But then went on to say that their decision is, 
quote, based upon an analysis of the frequency of positive cases in the league compared to the risk of significant spread among players and staff gathered for an extensive period of time at one hotel. Directly going against literally all the data we have on this very specific topic. Yeah. Sure. Now, lots, of, a, lots of data. Yeah, we have several sports leagues who have done this uh, 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 more than adequately. Um, now, oh, here's the other thing. Now, the the, NFL, the vaccine is now available, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but the NFL is being very co- gracious about its place in the pecking order. <laughs> Quote, when it comes to the vaccine, we will never jump the line, said a league representative, who then casually added, you know, but if the uh, line could uh, organically snake its way to us. <laughs> the uh, the medical uh, director of the NFLPA said, quote, if you run the math out based on distribution, the likelihood that our players would be in line prior to the first Sunday in February is pretty low. <laughs> then uh, he sort of casually flash, flashed a wad of $100 bills in his hand and said, uh, but uh, maybe that uh, likelihood could change, huh, boss? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, look but at no. this. I seem to have dropped this roll of bills. <laughs> you well, wouldn't what want anything. What roll of bills? I don't have a roll of bills. <laughs> <laughs> this must be yours that you dropped. I mean, it's a pretty nice Super Bowl we got set up. It'd be a shame <laughs> if something happened to it. Yeah. Um, I got to say, course. something tells me that this uh, not trying to jump the line thing is not going to apply to NFL owners and their families. Oh, no, they already have. They've all yeah. been vaccinated. <laughs> yeah, they were vaccinated back in April. Yeah. <laughs> um, of course, of course, we're joking. We're joking because there's a strict uh, guideline set by the CDC. Uh, there's about, I believe, six tiers of initial uh, distribution. Uh, they go roughly like this. It's uh, medical professionals working in ICUs on the front lines of COVID. Mm-hmm. Taco Bell employees. Mm-hmm. Good. Medical professionals in other parts of the hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. Dell Taco employees. <laughs> Ah, a yep, few. Yep, yep. L- long-term care facility, uh, residents and staff. Okay, yep. makes and sense. That's, you know, older people got to protect them. And then it's one independent coffee shop per gentrifying neighborhood. Yeah, that makes bit sense. Of up- bit of an upset there, beating out postal service. But yeah, you know, really got to really got to point out though, of the people you put on that list, the Taco Bell and Del Taco employees are the ones who are compensated the least for the risks they're taking. So that's true. Points. Fact, they're look, probably not I, being compensated at all for the additional risks they're taking. So, <laughs> look, and they serve me delicious Taco Bell and Del Taco, Joel. I yeah. know I'm taking this seriously. Well, Jordan, that goes without saying. Um, now, in terms of the Super Bowl, everyone's wondering about the executives from the NFL's sponsors, right? Mm-hmm. These individuals make up 98 percent of the Super Bowl attendance, mm-hmm. with with the remaining uh, with the remaining two percent. Being winners of sweepstakes held by those sponsors. Yeah, okay, yes, that, that, exactly. that's who gets the Super Bowl. Well, Roger Goodell <laughs> is working on it, saying, quote, I'm not sure there's a specific number we are confident in saying of what it will be in terms of attendance. But obviously our focus will be on keeping them safe, whoever is there, whether they're old white men or old white men with comorbidities. Mm. Ah, yeah. Now, and here's the thing. I, I think personally, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go off book here and say I think personally, we should fill the stadium with the vaccinated residents from long-term care facilities. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I like this idea. 
Mostly because I want hilarious shots of people falling asleep during the halftime show. Sure. And I want long lines at the restrooms, which would really piss off the executives from the NFL sponsors. Yeah. You know, they're, they're in line between like eight walkers and the line isn't moving. I, I, I want a, a crowd that's finally going to boo at teams for passing too much. Right, or for being too loud. <laughs> boo! Boo! More running! Super Bowl Update Watch Death Watch. Super Bowl Update Watch Death Watch. Brought to you by... The United States government. If you're listening to this, congratulations, you survived us. Joining us now on the podcast is a prestigious trophy maker, Rutherford Snootingham. Yes, hello. Hello, Jordan. Hello, Mr. Snootingham. As well as Wisconsin Badger football team student equipment manager, Corey Stumps. Hi, uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's, it's great to have you guys both on. And I guess first I should say, uh, Corey, congratulations to you and the Badger team on winning the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Yeah, I'm just, I'm handling the equipment. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. And now, uh, Mr. Snootingham, I guess I want to know a little bit more about, this is only the first or second year they've called the Duke's Mayo Bowl. The Belk Bowl has been around a while before that. Tell me a little bit about the trophy. Yes, well, uh, my family has been making trophies for bowls uh, for 16 generations now. Uh, the first one that we constructed was for a soccer game uh, sponsored by Edward the Confessor. So the Snootinghams have been at this for quite some time. So uh, we brought a lot of those traditions into the careful construction of the Duke's Mayo Bowl <laughs> trophy. Uh, so, uh, really we, we, we built upon, uh, what was originally a trophy presented to Queen Victoria upon her 35th birthday, uh, as a, uh, a show for her having won the, uh, the crumpets competition held at Buckingham Palace for the 10th consecutive year. We felt that both her 30th birthday and the 10th year in a row, uh, being quite an occasion, uh, we constructed a Waterford crystal crumpet, uh, that we placed atop a, a, a tower, uh, which was made from, you know, refined, uh, refined turtle bone, uh, and on it, uh, a base, uh, which we, uh, used the, uh, ashes of, uh, a dead Irishman pounded into a firm, firm hold. Uh, and that, and that... That's, that sounds tremendous, and and that's I'm sorry, but which that was the that's the crumpet trophy. You're not. Yeah, even that was the original crumpet trophy. Obviously, the ashes of dead Irishmen would be a little bit politically incorrect these days. So right. uh, we have shied away from that and and used uh, gold instead. Uh, but yes, yeah, so uh, this time I simply decided to replace the crumpet with a football shape. Okay, uh, and then to uh, and again uh, for roughly five and a half years we've been collecting the crystals and gently tapping them into place with very small padded hammers. Uh, And, of course, the crystal holders, who are uh, lower-class people that we hire, uh, and they must hold the crystal without allowing it to move at all for 278 straight hours. Uh, So that was a very long uh, and involved process. Uh, We lost several crystal holders as we were at it. and, and, and again, uh, lots of lots of stubbed fingers and padded hammers uh, to go into constructing the trophy for the Duke's <sighs> Mayo Bowl. Uh, okay, and, and you just heard, Corey, the amount of work and preparation that went into this trophy 
What did you think when your eyes first laid upon this magnificent trophy? Yeah, to be honest, I was a little confused because I thought that if it was called the Mayo Bowl, then somehow there'd be mayonnaise on it. Uh, so right. I was excited when I had a chance to make the new trophy. My look, my family's been eating mayonnaise for generations. <laughs> my great grandma used to put mayonnaise on her steakums. Didn't even put it between bread or nothing. Just put it right on top of the steakums and ate it. So I feel like I have a lot of expertise in mayonnaise that I was able to bring to the to me making the new trophy. Which, frankly, I think is even better because when you look at the trophy, you say, yeah, that's for a mayonnaise-related win because there's mayonnaise right there on top of it. The the hardest part, though, is I had to go through a a bunch of bottles of mayonnaise to find the one with the latest expiration date because as soon as it starts getting smelly, I'm going to have to take that duct tape off. And I'm going to have to put on a new bottle of mayonnaise. That's going to take me an hour or two. Uh, I might stub my fingers or, you know, might might get sticky duct tape stuff on my fingers. That's hard to wash off. So I'm putting myself at a little bit of risk here, but it's worth it for the team. I think both of you, I think it's, it's it's really fascinating to hear the different roads you both took. And yeah. the work that went into making these two two uh, versions of the same trophy. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I should say that uh, I did use a little bit of mayonnaise in inspiration. Uh, I had the chef whip up uh, some fresh mayo uh, to eat with my dear father, uh, who had, of course, been running the Snootingham's business across three monarchs and uh, 85 years uh, and had been with us for a very, very long time. And upon... Finishing the base, we said to ourselves, well, I suppose if it is a mayo bowl, we should prepare a little mayo to have with, uh, of course, roast beef and some palm frites. Uh, and unfortunately, it was at that meal that my father collapsed dead. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Making the Duke's mayo bowl trophy the very final act of a very long and glorious career that he had. Uh so, obviously, it was a trophy that, in spite of it being for the <clears throat> Mayo Bowl, it held a lot of sentimental value to me as a legacy of his time, you know, working in the Snootingham Trophy business. But I'm sure the squeeze bottle, whichever that is, of mayonnaise uh, that, that you placed upon the base is just as good. Yeah, no, my my dad also helped me with this trophy. So when I was duct taping the mayonnaise to the thing, he said, well, it's the mayo bowl, so maybe you should have a bowl of mayonnaise. And I said, well, you know, I've been an equipment manager a long time, and rule number one of equipment managing is if you have something that's wet or sticky, you want it to be inside of something or else it's just going to spill everywhere. So then he started drinking and yelling, and I started drinking and yelling. And then finally, I just knocked him clear out, and I just punched him, and he collapsed on the ground, and I finished the trophy. And then when he finally came to, he said, yep, that is that is better. You're right, son. I love you. And excuse we had me. a good hug. It was a very important moment. 
All of this would have happened in the locker room immediately after you smashed the trophy. Yeah. He was there. Yeah. <laughs> he likes football. I like football. That's why we. I have the job. My, my, my father fast. despised football, uh, which I believe you call soccer. So I, I imagine he would have despised your football as well had he lived long enough to actually watch a game. Yeah, that could probably be, but, you know, what's most important is that the best trophy won and uh, better luck next year. You the know, best you... the best trophy. The best trophy. Yeah. You're really going to say that to a snooting hound. Yeah, I mean, when, when, so they also dropped my trophy a couple times. It just bounced right back up. It's got a lot of plastic. Oh, that's really nice. So I would say it's kind of interesting here that you both took different roads there. You both had uh, really sweet stories about uh, crafting this with your fathers. Yeah. But I must say, uh, Corey, it appears that your trophy was maybe a little more durable than uh, Mr. Snootingham's. Yeah, and frankly, I believe that art has to be a marriage of form and function. And it just turned out mine was just a little bit more functional, you know? Functional? I do tell you that if the trophies have been placed behind some Italian glass in a finely made trophy case and observed from behind there with the appropriate lighting, I feel like the interplay of light within the carefully handcrafted crystal football would have exceeded that of your squeeze bottle of mayonnaise. Oh, I was actually thinking about the interplay of light when I was making mine too. Uh, which is why I had the label facing forward so that there's, it's nice and reflecty on the back so that when, if the sun hits it from the back, it's just mayonnaise. Uh, so it just bounces the light real, real nice. Well, I, I must say um, I was hoping to, to, to come to some sort of better agreement here, but I must say that uh, the legacy of my father has been gravely dishonored. Uh, in, in, in horrifying ways. Well, my dad's pretty happy, so I, well, let's just call it a wash when it comes to fathers. Uh, you know what? I, I'm glad I'm glad we could have this uh, meeting of the minds, as it were. Uh, so I guess, Corey, real real quick, uh, when this gonna, you're going to take this back to Wisconsin. I assume it'll be in a trophy case with all of Wisconsin's other bowl uh, yeah. trophies. So... Uh, I don't know if Several you guys, of which were made by my father. I believe that. I believe that citrus bowl and, and, and all of that. I guess, uh, last question. Um, I don't know. May, maybe you guys have already talked about this. Do you think the trophy will go uh, Trophy uh, will go in the trophy case as is with the uh, squeeze uh, bottle mayo thing on top? Or, uh, uh, Rutherford, are you going to be making a replacement crystal uh, football that they could maybe put back on there? Like, how so, is this going to be seen for all of eternity? Certainly, the opportunity to take a piece of work that is so meaningful to me and my family's history and to my dearly departed father and return it to the state in which we had tried to to give it to the world in the subtle statement of elegance and beauty that it was, uh, that would certainly rest well with me and the Snootingham estate. Nah, we're good. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you very much, Corey Stumps and Rutherford Snootingham. It's been great to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you. And now it's time for another wide world of weird 
Weird Sports! Oh, it's Wide World Weird Sports time. Everybody loves Wide World Weird Sports. Wide World Weird Sports. What do we got this week? This week's Wide World Weird Sports, Mystery Alaska. <gasps> movie day! It's a it's movie, movie day! day. Of yeah. course, it's after the new year. We're all probably still a little hungover. We have to have a movie day. Yes! And a, and a murder mystery at that. There we go. Mystery Alaska is a 1999 American comedy drama film directed by Jay Roach about an amateur hockey team from a fictional small town of mystery that plays an exhibition game against the NHL's New York Rangers. What a what an improbable plot. Yeah. I feel like you, you wanted a little too much credit for giving us the synopsis there, Phil. <laughs> I know, I was selling I, it too hard. I think <laughs> I think that one of the Rangers' butler did it. Ah, well, let's see if that turns out to be true. Yeah. It was shot in Banff National Park and in a town built for the purpose uh, outside of Canmore, Alberta. Ah, uh, so they, so they shot, built a town for the movie. They shot uh, Day for Canada. Exactly, Day for yeah. Canada. Uh, the plot, Sheriff John B.B., who is married to Donna, is one of the town folks that play its Saturday game, which is a weekly hockey game played on an open pond. And he's got a real nose for clues. Yeah, he does. He's got a nose for news, and he's going to use it. <laughs> the entire town, which is hockey mad, turns out every week to watch. After the game commences, we see young Steve Weeks in the stands kissing Marla Burns, the daughter of the town's judge. Ooh. When the judge Ooh. sees what's going on, he raps Steve on the head and reprimands them both. What? Uh, for young love? Yeah, I mean, exactly. you just got to be smarter about that. You can't be, uh, yeah. you know, making out with your girl if, if her dad's the judge and he's nearby. It's just, come on. It's yeah, true. and especially when he's he's made dancing illegal. and Yeah, John Lithgow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Donna arrives with the latest edition of Sports Illustrated, which features an article on the town in the Saturday game. Hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty big moment for Mystery Alaska. The article yeah. serves also to explain the nature of the Saturday game. As well as to introduce some of the prominent team members, it also refers to John as being slow in the feet, but concludes with a statement that on the ability to skate, the mystery team rivals any NHL team. Gauntlet thrown. Whoa. Ooh. Yep. Uh, so let me skip ahead a little bit. This actually is a very in-depth article. Well, yeah. it sounds like it's a very in-depth movie, Phil. It is. Um, so John sees Steve Weeks, uh, at a diner to offer him his congratulations. John is about, then called about away. the article about the article. Okay. Oh, I thought John it was then... about him making out with the judge's daughter. Well, maybe it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. You know? Yeah. So John is then called away because Connor Banks, the team's best player has just shot someone. Whoops. What? Yep. I told you. But you know yep. what? I'll bet in the end we find out it was the butler of Mark Messier who did it. That's true. Well, yeah, it could be. It could be. Uh, well, Connor's being read as right. The deputy explains to John what happened. Connor and a rep from Price World named Mr. Walsh got into an article or an argument. Connor fired a shot to frighten him, but the bullet ricocheted and hit the rep in the foot. Mmm. Yeah. I mean, I've we've all been there before. 
That's why you just don't fire a gun to scare people, because you don't never know where that bullet's going. Or just That's watch true. the ricochet, you know? I just feel like if Korn's freak on a leash taught us nothing, it's that the path of bullets is a little unpredictable. <laughs> yeah. And also a little adventurous. Yeah. Yeah. But and they taught point. us that oom chaka oom chaka chaka Oh, man. So, uh, uh, let's see. There's a helicopter, lands at Town Hall, and Charles Danner, the author of the Sports Illustrated article, steps out of the helicopter. In the mayor's office, he explains to the committee that the result of his article is that the NHL suggested the New York Rangers be brought up to mystery to play the town's team in a televised exhibition game. Well, that sounds like fun. First of all, I love how a movie treats this broke-ass journalist like a rock star flying in on a helicopter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, Somebody who life, does the a... Journal- the, the journalist is expensing his gas and driving for three days to get there. Hey, yeah. hey, in 1999, before the internet, <laughs> that was more still, plausible. Still, I don't well, think they're paying. He's not going to be able to expense a helicopter ride. Yeah, he's yeah. the and now in other news reporter. Well, maybe maybe the <laughs> yeah maybe the cut scene from the end of the movie is him getting busted for embezzling tons of money out of the New York Times. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, the mayor wants John to coach. Uh, John doesn't know how to coach. He just knows how to play. Yeah. Uh, so he finally agrees. Uh, (laughs) let's see. Uh, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Before the Saturday game, the players watch some NHL hockey on TV. It emerges that the Rangers players are not keen to play the match, which they disparage as a joke. Oh man. That really riles up the mystery team. Uh-oh. They decide to call the team the Mystery Eskimos. Even so, though it should really be the Inuits, I think. Yeah. You know, and the Rangers should know better than to give, uh, you know, this small townspeople a bulletin board material. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is 1999. You know that small town has several bulletin boards. And yeah. why would you give the material to put on it? Odds are yeah. the Mystery Hockey team was sleeping on this matchup. <laughs> That's true. You know, taking it just like any other game, and now you've really lit a fire under their butts. And uh, then uh, montage, 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 mystery team, goofy training, trying to get better. And then the match starts. During the match, the mystery team takes time to settle, but eventually go ahead two goals to nothing in the first period. Whoa. Good start. Good start. Yeah. (laughs) One of the goals is scored by Stevie, who impresses the commentators with his speed. Mm. Yeah. In the second period, however, the Rangers score five unanswered goals. Yeah. That's what you might expect to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Birdie cost the team a goal through his desire to go it alone when he should have passed. Ooh, a Mm. classic. As you may have also seen in season one of Ted Lasso, Apple TV (laughs) Plus. As the clock ticks down, Connor has a chance to level the scores but his shot hits the crossbar, and the game is over with the score at 5-4 to four to mm. the Rangers. Mm. Both the mystery team and spectators. Are, I would are, like to say, as a Red deflated. Wings fan, uh, remembering, I believe it was the 9 Stanley Cup when they put one of the potential game-tying shot off the crossbar within five seconds of the end of the game. That Painful. is an absolute freaking heartbreaker. That's a hard one. Yeah. So the spectators are completely deflated until... Judge Burns starts clapping for him. Bad guy, Judge Burns. And then even <laughs> oh, wow. after which the Rangers players even applaud the mystery in Eskimos. Oh, wow. 
And probably because the judge is clapping, he's not noticed that his daughter is under the stands. Yeah, getting real busy. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, where the did following... Steve go? Yep. The following <laughs> no. day, the Rangers team leaves, and it's revealed that both Stevie Weeks and Connor Banks have been giving minor league contracts and fly out to play with the Rangers. Oh, and then he breaks up with her the next day. He has to. Yep, he's big time now. Time for swimming pools, movie stars. Yeah. And that brings an end to another wide world of weird sports. Oh, let's see a sequel where we get to see the small town people from Mystery Alaska going to New York City. Citizens of Podcast Town, this brings to a close another sports. 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 Podcast. Before we go, we're going to bring back Rutherford Snootingham and Corey Stumps to give you our contact information. Fellas? Hi. You know, All I, right. I, yes, uh, I'll begin. Uh, yeah. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, you're going to go to www. Period, uh, the word Facebook, no space, period, uh, C O M, and then backslash, and then S, and the number three, and then the word podcast, no spaces there either. All right, that's facebook.com slash sports number three podcast. Sorry, I just had to go and do it just a little better. But did, I don't know. Mine was much more specific. But okay. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, uh, the instructions are, are quite similar. Once again, you're going to open Twitter.com your... slash sports number three podcast. Sorry, uh, I jumped the line a little bit there, but just getting okay, it done. Well, it, well, if you want to uh, uh, follow uh, all of the episodes and our back episodes, the place to go for that would be... Let me see what this card says. Anchor.fm slash sports number three podcast. It's anchor.fm slash sports number three podcast. This is some sort of site about shipping? Ah, no, it's about podcasts. Make sure to listen to my podcast, which is my history of mayonnaise. (laughs) About how much mayonnaise means to me. Thank you very much, Corey, and thank you very much, Mr. Snootingham. Yeah. Hey, guys. Joel. Joel. It's real pretty when it snows. Bye, Bye, Joel. Joel.